0: welcome to the key wealth matters podcast a series of candid conversations with leading experts about how individuals and organizations can grow and protect their finances tailored around current events and trends here's your host for today's podcast
1: brian peter angelo welcome to the key wealth matters weekly podcast where we casually ramble on about important topics including the markets the economy human ingenuity almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, February 18th, 2022, I'm Brian Peterangelo. I'd like to introduce our starting lineup of investing experts, some might consider them all-stars, just like this weekend in Cleveland, we're excited to host the NBA All-Star Game, George Mateo, our Chief Investment Officer, Steve Haight, Head of Equities, and Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on Key.com slash Wealth Insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series, addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. So it's been a challenging week in the markets. So let's start with what's going on with Russia and Ukraine conflict. What does this mean for the economy? What does it mean for the markets? What does this mean in general? George, what are your thoughts?
2: Oh, good morning, Ryan. I think you're right. I think everybody's crystal ball is really quite hazy these days, uh, given the geopolitical backdrop you talked about. I think that there's a lot we, we don't know. There's a lot of game theory that could be uh, applied to the situation. Um, really, nobody knows exactly what the end, end game is here for, for Putin and, and, his, and Russia in general. But I think you know, there is uh, maybe some concerns, obviously, brewing around uh, a major incursion of Ukraine. Um, I think Putin is getting what he wants. He's getting some attention. I think we're also seeing oil prices uh, rally, which I'll think, I think he also benefits. And maybe he's actually seen some concessions around Ukraine's entry into NATO. But at the same time, it does seem like um, the forces within NATO are coming closer together. Um, and I think that probably bodes a little bit poorly for, for him and maybe on this calculation of some kind. But, you know, there is a lot at stake here. Um, there's roughly 40% of gas that actually flows into Europe comes from Russia, so it's strategically important. It's a complicated relationship. Um, you know, I think there's, again, a lot of things we just have to kind of wait and see how they play out. Um, we've seen these you know, moments of uncertainty in the past. There's you know, been untold number of military conflicts um, over the last 70 years or so in the markets. Usually the market takes that in stride. I mean, there's always a, a situation or two that maybe something might more, maybe more prolonged might ensue from this. Um, but if we look back at history, um, sometimes the market does shrug this off eventually. I think maybe one parallel could be uh, what happened in 1990, 1990 rather, when um, Iraq essentially invaded Kuwait, and we saw the market sell off some 15% or so, which you know seems pretty painful, but it, it did recover. It took about four or five months for that to come back to where it was. Um, but it does prove to be somewhat of a short-lived kind of phenomenon, and we hope that now, nothing doesn't uh, escalate further from here but again it's it's a complicated situation so i know steve you've got a view on, on russia and have a, have a really strong uh, sense of insights there um how do you see this play out?
3: i gotta say george i i don't know that i i i agree with the consensus view here in the u.s very very much so you know the russians have a uh have have clear interests in in they're near abroad, as they call it, and they clearly view Ukraine as part of their sphere of influence for obvious historical reasons. Um, And when you look at the way that Putin has played this game in the past, he, he, I don't believe that his intention ever was to invade Ukraine. I don't think it ever, I don't think it still is. Um, In fact, I think that if you look at historically how they've played this, both in in Crimea and in in Georgia, uh, back in in two thousand eight, um, essentially what he does is he tries to to set up the 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 quarry to make a mistake, and if the quarry makes a mistake, then he's ready to pounce, um, and I think that's exactly what he did last year and exactly what he did this year, uh, b- because make no mistake that the eighty uh, percent Russian speaking Donbas is is something that the Russians would like to have uh, be be not part of Ukraine anymore, uh, but they're not going to, to 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 do it in a way that that um, causes causes a, a massive uh, a massive hit to to both their economy and to to geo- geopolitical situation. So, you know, I, I think it's it's very nuanced as you said. Um, there's also some game theory being applied here in order to try to get the Germans to approve the Nord Stream two. Um, over American objections. Um, and, and there's this desire to, to, to split NATO or to have NATO uh, respect Russian interests in their near abroad. Um, and I, I think that, that 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 is really what the game is. And when I think about who benefits most from having this story be in the fr- front pages, it's not Putin at all. It's actually the the administration here in the US. Uh, b- because you can get it, you can, you can make the case that uh, with inflation doing what it's doing here, and I'm sure Rajiv will have some comments on that. Um, dis- distractions via f- foreign situations that could potentially cause a "quote unquote" victory uh, for for us um, helps helps the administration tremendously. So if the Russians back off, uh, that's a that's a viewed as a win for the administration, um, even though they may have never had any intention of of doing anything anyways.
1: How do you think that falls into oil and inflation and other characteristics that we're facing in the economy with respect to uh, overall inflation, George? We've got some reads this past week on PPI and CPI, but what's the fix?
2: Yeah, th- that's a good question, Brian, and, and you're right to point out a lot, a lot of things. And what maybe to pick up what, what Steve was, was talking about too, I, I do think the administration probably is looking for a win somewhere. Uh, because the inflation numbers continue to be really quite hot. And um, I would guess we will probably got at least another month or two of those kind of hot inflation readings before we might start to see some of these inflation pressures come come down a little bit. Uh, I think it was kind of interesting. I think um, just this uh, this morning, as a matter of fact that the market does seem to be accepting or maybe getting a little bit uh, optimistic about the fact that at least people are still talking. So back on the Ukraine situation, at least, I guess there's a conversation to be held next week um, between the administration and, and some Russian officials that markets are kind of hanging their head on as a, as a small sign of optimism. But to be true, true, again, a lot of uncertainty there. Although, speaking of uncertainty, Rajiv, I thought it was kind of telling that the Federal Reserve actually started to comment uh, about the Ukraine situation, and you know maybe that has some influence on their outlook too, which is probably the other big risk that um, that people are trying to grapple with, which is what the Fed's going to do this year. So, how, did, how do how did you interpret that from uh, from the Fed this week?
4: That's a very good point, George, and I agree with uh, your comments and, and Steve's comments that this is a very complicated situation, and uh, we did have the FOMC minutes released uh, this week, uh, midweek, and, you know, what's interesting is they did mention Russian and Ukraine tensions, uh, and they and that was back in January. These minutes were from January, so this has been on their radar as well for the FOMC. Uh, the Fed is looking at this. The conflict in, in, in this region could really send energy prices higher. We could see inflation rise further. That's obviously the biggest... Uh, um, our biggest thing on the radar for the Fed is right now is how to combat inflation. So anything that pushes inflation higher is going to have to be uh, noticed by the Fed. And uh, if you extrapolate that further out, we could see an impact on growth as well. So all of this did play into the conversation, the FOMC minutes. Uh, we had a Fed speaker in the minutes actually specifically mention Ukraine, Russia, also mentioned geopolitical tension as a reason to proceed more cautiously when it came to Fed tightening. So geopolitical risk is certainly something the Fed is going to keep an eye on, and uh, it's going to really impact the decision of, you know, how aggressively to tighten, how aggressively to raise rates. Uh, so all of this comes all together uh, in the in the radar of the Fed.
2: Where are we right now, we, Rashid? I think we kind of came into this year thinking the Fed might be raising rates four or so times this year. Uh, consensus was, I think at the time, maybe two two times, and now the consensus has swung well past our thinking and thinking maybe the Fed needs to raise rates seven or eight or even nine times, I think I've seen in some cases, do you think that that um, do you think the economy can withstand that level of, of tightening or do you think that's you know, maybe just uh, a little bit, it's gone too far? How do, you, how do you view kind of where the market is with respect to pricing uh, Fed rate hikes this year? I think it's very interesting, the fact that the market itself, uh, you know, we had
4: reached a peak of seven hikes expectations from the market, Seven twenty-five basis points hikes for 2022. Uh, We were there earlier this week. Uh, St. Louis Fed President Jim Bullard was very aggressive on his comments about uh, supporting 100 basis point tightening by the summer and starting off in March with a 50 basis point tightening, have intermediate, intermediate meetings and have these rate hikes during those meetings. And so it became a very hawkish statement and the market just took to it and started pricing in seven rate hikes this year. Uh, we're down to about six right now. Uh, this market expectations are too high given where the FOMC appears to be. The FOMC, the, the majority of the FOMC is still favoring and commenting on moderate pace of rate type of rate hikes. Uh, they're still looking at 25 basis points in March. Uh, I think we're also in the camp of 25 basis points in March uh, as, a, as, a, as a starting point. It's going to be very interesting because I think all the central banks right now are going to be data dependent. Uh, the 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 Fed itself is talking about, you know, we're, they're looking at inflation to drop to 2.6% by year end. So if you look at that, you would not see as aggressive a posture by the Fed. You would not see these intermediate, intermediate tightenings happening. You would not see rate hikes at seven rate hikes for the year if we did get down to 2.6%. But again, that is all dependent on data. They're going to have to continue to look at that CPI print. We actually have a CPI print coming out uh, March 10th. Uh, six days before the FOMC meeting. So that's going to also be very telling.
2: Yeah, it's interesting to talk about those forecasts. I mean, again, I still see some forecasts out there that think inflation is going to fall towards, I don't know, 1% or so by the end of this year, maybe 1.5%. And that seems a bit optimistic to me. Um, You know, this does have some uh, kind of spillover to the equity market too. And for the moment we're probably kind of caught in a a bit of a vacuum in the sense, as you mentioned, Rashid, there's a, a good, four plus weeks or three plus weeks or so until the Fed actually convenes, and we actually kind of hear what they're really thinking. Um, And the market's probably just going to be kind of stuck in in no man's land for a while, it seems. But in terms of the equity read-through, you know, this does have some uh, implications for multiples. You know, we've seen valuations come down quite considerably, but earnings are also quite strong. So, Steve, I'm not sure if you've got a, a current view on that, but it does seem to me that, you know, we're kind of this tug of war right now within the equity market. Would you agree?
3: yeah the tug of war it, it continues i mean it, the, there's just this battle raging in the market right now as we s- continue to hug the 200-day moving average and uh we've seen two-way trading in the last last week bo- on both sides of that um generally based on geopolitics but you know it's not lost that the the rate mark the, the rate market continues to put pressure on on multi valuation multiples Earnings have continued to come in above expectations as we've moved through the end of earnings season. We're 88% reported now, so the numbers are almost 100% done. Um, And the trend to me continues to be higher there. It's hard for the market to have like a 50% drawdown year like 2008 or or 2000 when you have earnings on an upward trajectory. So I think it cuts off the fat tail to the downside, uh, but make no mistake um, even if we get you know, four to six, what pick your winner uh, interest rate increases during the course of the year, um, you, if you look historically, there hasn't been a Fed tightening cycle back to 1980 that did not see multiple compression. So I, I think that we're going to have a, a, a difficult road to hoe this year um, in terms of seeing the equity market have a, have a bang up year. Um, and we continue to apply the template that we think you know we we probably can see p- a positive return for the year. I wouldn't be surprised by a 15 to 20 percent drawdown at any time uh, as the market digests this this higher discount rate structure that that we're that we definitely looks like we're going to have.
1: With regard to some economic data for the week, unemployment claims are fairly steady there's no new news there, but it is a good news story. The good news a little bit of a a little bit of a burst on retail sales up 3.8% seasonally adjusted month over month and 13% year over year. Somewhat a consumer spending story, somewhat of maybe an inflationary story. George, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, the number was, uh, I think, a little ahead of expectations, as you mentioned, Brian, on on retail sales. And again, it was kind of interesting that kind of came in the face of of surging Omicron cases. Uh, So I kind of took that as a pretty strong positive. I mean, look, if you look at the overall strength the consumer and look at their balance sheet, um, look at the fact that wages are rising. I mean, yeah, we, we definitely have inflation and that's for sure, but we also have a lot of economic uh, activity on the positive side of the ledger too. So some of these uh, these inflationary impulses are kind of rippling their way through the economy in a positive way that we probably shouldn't discount either. Um, so I think um, I think that bodes well for for the growth outlook uh, at least in the near term, we'll have to see how the rest of the year plays out because some, um, some of these trends will probably fade off a little bit as we go through the back half of this year, just given how much spending took place at the end of last year where people were double or triple or in many things, it seemed like, uh, in hindsight. But, um, but for now, I think the growth story is pretty strong. So at, at, in one level, then while inflation is, is certainly elevated, it's, uh, it's coming at the, um, at the benefit of some really strong economic growth too.
1: Great. And Steve, I'll give you the last word uh, for today's call and your thoughts on oil and or some sector rotation that we're seeing happening in the market.
3: Well, I think higher energy prices remain on tap for us as we move through the balance of the year and it continues to be a wild card. Um, There's just been a massive disconnect between the amount of money invested on a global basis necessary to sustain supply. And we've eaten through Uh, we've eaten through spare capacity and we're at a place where things are very vulnerable. Um, So I I think triple digit numbers are in the cards for oil. The question is how far into the triple digits they go. Uh, If we get some kind of geopolitical thing, we could see numbers that we've never seen before. Um, And I think the economy would have a hard time digesting that sector rotation. Look, leadership remains within the, 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 the deep cyclicals Energy. We've seen material metals and mining uh, within the material sector break out to new highs this week. Um, clearly, to us, this inflationary boom scenario uh, is is auguring well for those those industry groups um, and market participants have have glommed onto that uh, very very hard. So uh, we we see that continuing as we move through through at least into the middle of the year, Brian.
1: Well, thank you, gentlemen, George, Steve, Rajiv, as always, thanks for providing your insights. We appreciate it. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. And be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. As always, past performance is no guarantee of future results. And we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or advisor for more information. And we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success.
0: The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of a collection of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are offered by Key Bank National Association, member FDIC, and Equal Housing Lender. KeyBank Private Bank and KeyBank Institutional Advisors are part of KeyBank. Investment Products Brokerage and Investment Advisory Services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC, or KISS, member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance Products are offered through KeyCorp Insurance Agency USA, or KIA. KIS and KIA are affiliated with KeyBank. Investment and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. KeyBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2021.